0: Welcome to Money and Meaning, a podcast where we connect with people around the world who are working to unlock the power of markets for impact. I am Fabienne Blanc, SOCAP Global's Community and Operations Manager. This podcast series is hosted by SOCAP Global and the Sorenson Impact Institute. SOCAP Global convenes the largest and most diverse community in impact through live and digital experiences that educate, spur conversation, and inspire investment in positive impact. We work under the leadership of the Sorenson Impact Institute, which helps organizations achieve their impact vision. The Institute is proudly housed at the University of Utah's Davis Eccles School of Business. Each episode of Money and Meaning features stories of amazing people who are leveraging the power of capital markets for the betterment of people and planet in a just and sustainable way. Recorded live at SOCAP 23, this episode of Money and Meaning features a conversation with Matthew Bishop, Senior Fellow at Sorenson Impact Institute, and three leaders of the social impact movement, Andy Ashakawa of Afrishela, Morgan Simon of Candide Group, and Maria Carolina Suarez-Visbal of Latin Pacto. Together, they reflect on SOCAP 23, sharing fresh insights and highlights from the event. They discuss key takeaways, emerging trends, the most interesting and inspiring things they heard, and how the theme presented will shape the year ahead. Enjoy the conversation.
1: Hi, I'm Matthew Bishop, and I'm uh, live from SOCAP 23 here in San Francisco. And I have with me three amazing uh, leaders of the social impact movement. Um, Andia Laura um who is at uh, Afrishila. Is that right pronunciation?
2: Yes.
1: Um, I have Morgan Simon from Candide Group and Carolina Suarez-Visbal, Uh, from latinimpacto.org. Great to have you all here. And what we're going to do is just talk a bit about what you're doing, why you're here at SOCAP, and what you found um, inspiring, frustrating, (laughs) what you're going to take away as you go back home uh, and get back to your work. Um, And I just really want to start with you, Morgan, because we've just come directly from a rather remarkable event out in the, on, in the park outside the conference center, where we ended up uh, in a, an Indigenous people led dance um, at the end of a session, which I, I found incredibly bonding and inspiring. Um, but it followed, I think, a really you know, extraordinary panel discussion around um, this battle in America the litigation battle, where the, the anti crowd who are trying to protect the old. Uh, blood and thunder, profit-maximizing, socially unjust capitalism. You know, uh, fighting this movement in the courts, and just maybe just say briefly, you know, what 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 you said there. You know, about why this is such an important moment, and this fight is uh, is something that we really need to take very seriously.
3: Sure, Matthew, and I think what's great about SoCap in general it's the opportunity to come together as a community and discuss some of the really contemporary, actionable issues that we need to address as a sector that's looking at ways of not only doing business differently, but the way that that creates systems change across society. And one of the areas in which we know we need fundamental change is around racial justice, and that we cannot have a movement for racial justice without talking about race, and that recent legal battles in the U.S. have been particularly um, challenging organizations that use race-based criteria, like grant makers like the Fearless Fund and Hello Alice, who were giving grants specifically to Black-led businesses. Um, And I want to remark that uh, both grants and investments traditionally have really been done under racial lines whether intentional or not you know that uh crunchbase did a five year study that 70% of investment dollars went to enterprises led by white men who graduated from stanford that's an extremely limited universe. You might even say from an investor perspective, you know, I lead a registered investment advisory focused on impact, that diversification is a fundamental principle. um, And having 70% of investments be from just one school um, typically is not going to be an optimized strategy. And um, in addition, their data found that less than 10% of investments went to women, less than 2% to Latino founders, and less than 1% to black founders. So we're starting from a fundamentally unequal place to be begin with. And the tiny percentage of money that actually is going to support these black businesses to have that now under attack is really abominable. And we need to really look at both the Fearless Fund, Hello Alice, the other lawsuits that have been filed as the tip of the iceberg um, and the importance of having a really coordinated approach to address this. And, you know, it's often been said this idea that when you're trying to do something important, first they ignore you, then they laugh at you, then they fight you, and then you win. And that we need to understand that this sort of backlash is part of the progress that we're making in putting racial justice onto the agenda for grant makers and investors alike. Um, and that this is the opportunity that we have to really double down on that support to make sure we continue to fund investors of color um, and entrepreneurs of color. This is something that's been critical for us at Candide Group and for so many others across the industry. Um, and it was great to have a space to connect with others at SoCap about that because it has been so deep on the hearts and minds of people. Mm.
1: Um, I'm very struck by the mood here this year at SOCAP is is one of that there's a fight going on um, which you know I, and I do I really very much agree with you that that is a sign that it's not being laughed at so much and not being ignored at all anymore by the people who seriously control the system that has been in control and so that probably makes it a good movement and it's a good moment for this movement and good that there are so many serious conversations about that but is just, just briefly, I mean, you're also a veteran like me of many so caps. I mean, how, how have you found the mood this year?
3: I think in general, there's a high degree of optimism Um, In terms of what we're seeing from a systems change perspective, we're seeing a much greater diversity of voices and leadership. So not just about who speaks at a conference, but what actually is moving in society and how much further we go um, when we have a much broader and more diverse uh, group of people at the table. Um, The other trend that I've been seeing that I've been really excited about is more attention to community participation. And one of the panels I'm going to be moderating this afternoon is looking at participatory funding models, and the idea that so often communities don't get the opportunity to participate in the design, governance, and ownership of enterprise, or in funding decisions. And that we often you know, hear about the golden rule, the idea the one that has the gold makes the rules, and that it can't just be wealth holders and institutions that get to say what impact is. We need to make sure that the people who are closest to the problems and know the solutions get to be part of allocating the money. Um, and we're gonna have three leaders this afternoon, um, including Leslie Lindo from my team who leads the Olamina Fund, where there's a community advisory board that sits on the investment committee that has veto rights um, that really makes sure that community voice gets to make that decision. So I've often seen SOCAP as a place of how do we push conversations further? What do we look at next on the horizon? And participatory decision-making is one of those areas where we're seeing a lot of progress. And I, I find that very encouraging.
1: And yeah, you have is this your first SOCAP or you've been before?
2: Well, it's my first in person. Um, I participated during COVID and that's when I got to hear about SOCAP. And um I think I did a talk on inclusive investing or something like that. So hmm. I think um, COVID was good in the sense that some of the conferences that were in person uh, happened virtually, and and then I had an outreach from somebody on the team, and that's how I.
1: And how has it been being here in person as opposed to through the Zoom?
2: Yeah, I think being here in person has been good. Um, I came from Kenya, so it was uh, it was like about a twenty. 20-hour flight, and a bit more when you handle the layover. Uh, But I think being here has made me feel um, less isolated about some of the challenges that we're working on. So um, in Africa, I'm sort of driving the conversation around gender-nance investing. I'm also picking up the mantle and and battle for emerging female fund managers. Um, And uh, we're also looking at various ways that we can interface in terms of climate change and and that discussion that Africa has to play even though we contributed very little to it. So I think coming here that makes me feel less overwhelmed about some of those issues because I feel like The global issues and we get to be in rooms where people are saying this is what's happening in Latin America, people are saying this is what's happening in India and you also get to identify the people that care about the issues so there's some organizations that I didn't know before and the rooms are small enough that you can meet people and interact to get to um, just share more about mutual interests.
1: And from a, I mean, I mean there's a, a whole track on gender lens investing um, at this year's SoCap, and I think you pl- did you help curate yes, that. Yeah, yes. So, tell me what your goal was with the with the choice of content for this year, and has it has it answered the questions <laughs> you're hoping it would answer?
2: Yeah, I I, I think it's like uh, we're not just having gender as sort of uh, a token representation or. One particular panel, the whole track is looking at various ways that we can discuss the current construct of capital. And I think one of the key things that we've been talking about is how we can do it from an intersectionality point of view and integrate it. Very much as we're talking about agriculture, as we're talking about food systems, as we're talking about health, as we're talking about climate change, so that it's not siloed and it doesn't appear niche. Why is that important? I think it's so important because it's we find that when you're gender neutral, you become gender blind. And then when you start working on the metrics after, it's like, oh my God, where the women, we have cases of, you know, no names mentioned of funds of 400 million investing in the agri sector that really haven't improved the lives of. The community so even if you're working with smallholder farmers and majority of them are women when people are chasing the jobs if you haven't demonstrated that you're giving people living wage you're creating permanent jobs you're basically working on the social construct of the community in terms of what are women doing about unpaid care so that they can be more productive how are you actually helping them own close clear assets like land which is used to sort of discriminate and and and, and basically exclude women from financial services, then you're just, you're just ticking the box. You're not actually transforming and changing lives. And what we're basically showing, and this is something that's been demonstrated with um, just even the sustainable development goals, if you just focus on gender equality, you can hit so many other sustainable development goals from no poverty, to good education, to health, but it has to be deliberate and it has to be working from a community construct and recognizing that uh, women are also very vocal and comfortable when they're operating within networks and groups.
1: So Carolina, um, you were on the Latin America track that they have here. Um, how, how, did, how did that work out? What was the, go- what was the goal there and, and what's your biggest takeaway from the conversations you've had so far?
4: So, thank you matthew uh, listening to and laura morgan it has been amazing to see how we can share the same challenges globally there is not an issue that is specifically uh, ah you are living here in the us with a uh, racial issues is how we can also deal with that. Actually uh, we had our conference in last August in Rio de Janeiro and one of the issues that we were discussing and one of the top topics were how we can deal with gender and racial issues in Latin America. So for me, seeing here, it's my first socap in person. I also participated in the first one virtually during the pandemic and it was great because we were the global community in one place. Now we are here uh, I'm seeing that it is one of the, in, actually it is my last conference this year uh, after a conference season, mm-hmm. I was attending GNGsG and Latin Pacto, Click, And now I'm seeing that here, you can see Latin America as part of a global discussion. So it is not, okay, you will have a track that will be just Latin America, but also even we have a track focusing Latin America. We are also participating in other conversations like in gender, racial issues, this morning is risking uh, opportunities. How we are seeing that we can also offering from Latin America opportunities that uh, the world can learn. For me, it's very difficult to understand. Here is the global south and here is the global north. Right now, the challenges that we are living, we cannot split them in two areas, global and south. It's a global issue. The SDG agenda, the gaps that we are seeing with SDG agenda are global. Is not any specific region that they say, okay, Africa should be responsible for that, North America for that, Latin America for that. No, how we can work as citizens of the world, how we can move forward, uh, and how we can deal with these challenges. So the reason because I am here is because I am the CEO of Latin Pacto, is the Latin American network that guards more than 200 providers of capital, all of them committed to deploy the resources more strategically. And how we do that? With knowledge, and connections. So we need more knowledge and more connections to be sure that we will tackle with these challenges uh, uh, that are globally and there is not any specific issue, there is not a specific region or country.
1: And what's, what was your your highlight of the track so far? My
4: highlight is to see a community discussing challenges that are tackled the world right now. So it's not a, okay because in, my, in our conference that I have attended over this season, is, okay, there is Latin America, and here is the global north. No. I'm seeing here at SOP and I value that, that we are bringing a community of investors, a community of entrepreneurs, showing all the opportunities that we need and how to move forward with these uh, challenge. So, for me, it has been amazing that we are not seeing gender in a specific box. It's how, in a specific box. It's how we are seeing gender as a cross-cutting issue. Is how we're seeing racial issues. Is how we're seeing, a, you know, a inequality. So I I value that the creation process of the agenda was to in, include all these issues in different in, in transversal um, committees and conversations as well.
1: And um and Andrea, yeah, did you find that with the gender lens track that, again, it essentially didn't matter which country you were coming from. You having the same conversation, or was you know coming from Africa, East Africa? Is that are you yeah. are you wrestling with a different set of issues to some extent, or not? Uh,
2: yeah, I think there's some areas where some countries are a little bit ahead and have more examples, but I think the gaps still remain. Um, I I always I always like to listen and learn and say what's happening in India. They sometimes they they've moved a little bit further, but they're still. There are still gender issues across the board, so you may find that um, in, in Africa where way, we, we, we might be talking about how can we basically have alternative models of credit assessment that do not focus on simply physical collateral. You may find in uh, other parts of the world, the banks have moved away from that physical collateral and they're utilizing other mechanisms, but the capital itself may be, there is still a lack of sort of female capital providers that are close to those networks that can do it. We still find that... uh, Maybe uh, some of the structures and the uses of capital are still not dealing with issues around unpaid uh, care or even dealing with more elaborate topics when we're talking about, we're used to talking about sexual reproductive health, but we haven't really studied how menopause is also affecting women's productivity in the workplace. So we find that there are new emerging issues and each region may have gender-based violences cut across mm. Uh, uh, there's very little studies that basically show how gender-based violence can both be reduced or excavated depending on how capital is deployed. So I think the main thing is what we're saying is that when you're designing your products, when you're de- deploying your capital, when you're looking at it, how you basically assessing and integrating gender from the beginning, and are we deliberately looking to transfer that power? And how is that power showing up across the investment process? So I would say that people are at different levels, but the issues are consistent across, even though the the thematic areas might differ.
1: Morgan, what for you makes the bringing together of the social, the so activism part with the capital part so important about why SoCap works?
3: I think that, We always need a starting point of resources to make ideas move in society. I mean, and that's a big part for many people like me that came up as activists. Um, I've been in impact investing for over 20 years now. I get to say that with a straight face because I filed my first shareholder resolution when I was 19 years old. And I didn't have any particular love of investing as an art, which is a funny thing to say. What was the resolution? Um, That was at Lockheed Martin um, asking them to include sexual orientation in their non-discrimination policy um, because this was back before that was actually national policy in the US, so that meant that um, your partner couldn't get health insurance or that in certain offices people would get nasty notes on their desks and try to get transferred to California um, because basically there weren't national protections uh, for people from discrimination. And for me as a young person, that was a very powerful experience of saying, oh, this capital story matters. Um, This makes people pay attention we can use this as activists. And now uh, we're 10 years in um, to leading a SEC registered uh, investment advisor, which as an activist is not something you would think necessarily. Um, But it was essentially seeing that If we are dependent on society's leftovers, which is sometimes how I view donations, right? The idea that um, economic activity happens out in the world. And then, you know, in the case of foundations, it's 5%, it's whatever percent of the globe's resources. Um, If that 5% is designed to fix 95% of the world's problems, no wonder we're losing, right? And I think that for me got me inspired to look at the investment side in terms of what's going to create systems change. Um, and also how people are able to work at a bigger scale than if they're just seeking donations. That's part of why the idea of blended capital stacks has become so interesting over time, Um, and the idea that there are so many incredible people who have great ideas, who might have great access to human capital, um, but very specifically need dollars to get things done. The ability at SOCAP to have conversations about how we're going to structure that capital to best serve the world and to make sure that people seeking capital from all over the world get access to the current capital providers is is an important uh, grease to that infrastructure. Um, And I think that's where we all, I think, have to kind of be really open-minded and hearted in saying the point of being here is to flow capital. Um, is to try to be smarter for those of us who function as, as gatekeepers, right? I work with families and foundations that want their money working for justice, and that means I walk around looking for investment opportunities and I need to be transparent about that. Um, So I think that's where for um, all sides, the capital side, the social entrepreneur side, having a space where we can be in conversation and community versus retreating to our silos, which often happens, um, is really important if we're going to advance together as a social change community seeking systems change.
1: It's been striking. There's a lot of capital here in the room at at SoCap, and it's Family offices, I think, are a large part of it, but also we're seeing the UBSs and Fidelities are here, as well as people who are you know, leading very community-based uh, funds, Indigenous people-led funds, Latin American, African. Yeah. I mean, it's a very interesting mix, but there's real money here, which I think you know, possibly hasn't always been the case at SOCAT, where, but I think now it feels like there's real ability to fund things that... Um, that can make change happen. one of my favorite panels that I saw was actually this sort of reverse shark tank uh, <laughs> wow. panel where Natalie the Liliana difference yes. yeah I mean she, friend, and she Holly. brought together this great um, group of, where, where in fact instead of the person with a good idea having to convince the venture capitalists to invest in them the person with the good idea got to be the judge and the different providers of capital, had to make the case as to why their capital should be taken. And I liked the shift and the power and the pivots that was going on there. I hope that's going to be one of the things that people talk a lot about coming out of SOCAP about how do we really make that the norm for people so that they're not forced to always take venture, always take money on maybe that isn't well tailored to the actual challenges they're trying to to address. Um, Andy, I want to ask each, I'll start with you, but each of you, what's one actionable thing you're going to take away from uh, the conversations and things you've learned here at the SOCAP?
2: Yeah, I think one of the actionable things is um, how we can um, drive more capital using sort of a fund-to-fund structure. I think that's one of the key things when we had our session um, yesterday amongst capital providers and how we can increase the flow was basically volume and scale is a big issue, and credibility and trust in terms of how do you work with local capital people. But if we have more fund of fund structures and we make sure that they are rooted and they are regional, then it becomes easier to sort of um, uplift and identify some intermediaries that can really get us closer to funding some of the smaller businesses that need that capital, as well as making sure that the process that we use to identify and evaluate the that, that is less biased. Yeah.
1: And same question to you, Carolina. What, what, what's what actionable that's come out of this?
4: So, first, and it's something that we promote all the time at Latin Pacto, is how we can make a better use of the financial instruments to create impact. So how is not philanthropy here and the financial markets there? It's how we can bring both worlds and how we can deploy uh, these resources more strategically. Second is that we cannot stop here. We're ending SOCAP today, but this movement, these conversations cannot stop today. And it is the reason because I believe in that impact. I believe in the community that we are creating that we need to continue committed with all the discussions, how we can moving forward and listening to you, how we can see this world in 10 years, in seven years, when we'll start a new, I don't know, global agenda with a new uh, objective. So how we can move forward with these objectives. And it's our goal. I think it's it's part of our goal of all of us being here in Soka, that we have the privilege to be here. And how we can multiply these voices, how we can share with others that uh, they have the opportunity to attend these amazing forums and how we can share with this community that is eager to learn. There is, you know, there are a lot of families in Latin America. That I agree with you, the problem is not capital. It's how we will deploy this capital. It's how we can promote more strategic connections. It's how we can improve our knowledge. So it's part of the world and it's my commitment to continue with these conversations and bringing them in, into Latin America and, of course,
3: connecting with other parts of the world.
1: Morgan, same question for you.
3: I think on a very, um, I'll give a a direct answer and a more Mm -hmm. philosophical answer, Uh, directly I've been excited to see uh, the groups coming together to raise a legal fund and in general create more infrastructure around protecting racial justice investing. Um, And I think it's a great example of just having the physical space and connection at SOCAP for people to see each other and say, hey, we're organizing this, come get involved, um, of being aware of those initiatives as they're emerging in real time, of this being a space where people are able to connect in that way. And we're excited to continue to be thinking through um, legal strategy and resources and and what it'll take to continue doing this work. Um, But that we're doubling down and and recommitting to the idea of this being a critical moment to continue. Um, The second, I get really encouraged having been kind of a SOCAP lifelong attendee, I think I was at the first one, um, that you really see the growth and development of the social enterprise and impact investment sectors kind of flashing before your eyes here year by year and was reflecting yesterday with some colleagues how I think it was back around 2009, you know, after 2007, I think seven, where impact investing was named as a term mm-hmm. by the Rockefeller Foundation. And then foundations came out with this big audacious goal of 2%, right? Mm-hmm. And at the time that was considered extremely radical and challenging. And would you be able to find enough pipeline to support that? And how are you going to uh, convince your investment committee? And then Tana came out with the 100% pledge and saying, no way would we stop at 2%. And now you're starting to see people talk about, maybe I should make instead of a bunch of little decisions about my portfolio, I'm going to make one big decision, which is to give over power of who's going to get to make the decisions Mm -hmm. about how capital is allocated in the first place. Um, And seeing that um, advancement of impact over time is something that reminds me to be gentle with myself and others and knowing that we're always pushing to whatever that next frontier might be um, and that we might look back in 10 years and go, oh, that was a silly goal or you know, how how could we have thought that was the path, but that we keep evolving um, and that we need to give ourselves that space to uh, make mistakes, make progress and continue to push ourselves to do more. So I get really inspired in being here and seeing what so many of my, my peers and mentors are doing and then reflecting back afterwards, what's the next space where I can be pushing and doing more?
1: And what are the conversations that people are having you know, when they're off stage and sort of catching up with each other and saying, well, this is what I'm really wrestling with at the moment? What, what are the hard conversations that this community is having at the moment?
3: One of the hard conversations that I'm seeing um, is that global markets are facing some serious challenges right now Um, and the interest rate environment in the U.S., which I know has global impacts, has had major impacts for capital. And that's true not just for impact in social enterprise markets. That's true for markets writ large. Um, It's one of those where perhaps where it rains uh, in traditional markets, it pours for us um, because we're dealing with these twin elements of is it the market or is it because you had a social impact business and Mm -hmm. therefore it didn't work out or therefore you're having challenges and um, um, a lot of fear of people throwing away the concept um, versus somehow if you lose 50% in public markets, you know that's just the market. you know. Uh, but the fact that you were destroying the environment or locking people up for profit, that's got nothing to do with it. Um, so I think there's a lot of entrepreneurs right now that are struggling, um, that are struggling in a difficult capital market um, and that we need to balance out our overall enthusiasm for the sector um, and the idea that I think in the long run It's been proven that funds that take social and environmental values into account do better, that companies that have greater equity and inclusion make better decisions, um, that in the long run, we're going to be okay. I I definitely believe that fervently. But we also have to acknowledge some of the really challenging circumstances that entrepreneurs are having in this funding environment and figure out as investors how we can double down with our support.
4: Um, I agree with Morgan, and I think it's how we can bring – how we can – bring more institutional investors, DFIs, and governments. So how we can understand that impact investing is not a niche, that all of us, we are committed with this SDG agenda, so it's how we can understand the global challenges, and it is not only to impact investors or to some part of the ecosystem, it's how we can bring the big ones, the big players, and DFIs, governments, and institutional investors, they should play, they should be part of this equation, to, to make real changes and how we can provide more catalytic capital because otherwise it will be very difficult to promote these entrepreneurs that are seeking for seed capital because the big funds are also looking for big companies. Hey, understand what is a part of the world. They need seed capital, they need risk capital. So how we can provide this patient, this catalytic capital to these entrepreneurs and how we wanna change we want to make, make the change. And also with the new regulations, how we will provide more tax incentives uh, to bring all these big players into this market.
1: And, yeah, same question to you.
2: Yeah, um, I've noticed a big sense of community. So people kind of saying, I'm in this organization community. Um, yesterday, I, I had the pleasure of meeting the founder of Harambe that i had heard about that was like, come join our community if you're trying to change and solve a problem. Um, another community about joining uh, organizations that are driving for um, capital to come to locally-based, indigenous-based organizations because we also have a a habit of just channeling capital to the names and the brands and the organizations that we know. And then there's been a real quest for let's collaborate. How can we collaborate? What are you good at? What can I do? How can we do this together? And then the other part which I feel has been missing a lot, but we've sort of guised it as we need evidence, which we don't necessarily ask from other sectors is just the storytelling, the storytelling of people that have been working on this for many years that have changed lives and bringing that to the fore. And sometimes some of those stories are by allowing entrepreneurs to be here in person, and to hear them in person as they talk about some of their struggles, and not just bringing the ones that are big and successful, but the ones that failed, and also say why they failed and how they felt that some of the investment community or the or the environment sort of, you know, um, permitted that in some sense. Yeah,
1: yeah, that's definitely been a theme I've picked up on is that people want to hear more about the hard stuff, people have had to learn, as well as yeah. the successes. Hopefully, learning it on the way to success in the future. Last question for each of you: If someone's thinking about, should I come to SoCap in 2024? What would, what in a sentence would would you say to them? Start with you, Andy.
2: Yes, I would say, please come. You're going to meet all sorts of people. I thought I was, um, I, I thought I was going to be here and just uh, not know anybody. I have met people that I didn't expect to see that I would consider to be purely commercial that are coming to learn. I've also come and met different people that are looking for ways to work with others. So they're keen and interested to talk. And I would say it's a good way of not feeling so alone in the world and getting the particular tools and inspiration to not only learn, but also figure out who you can work with to solve some of the biggest and pressing issues. So um, I would gladly come again. It was something really daunting. Uh, but I'm so happy to have been here and met the people that I met. And the post events after the I say after the sessions, there's always networking events in the evening where you can have deeper conversations with people. And I think the important thing there is everybody's willing to talk. people are here to listen, and people are keen to learn and and learn.
1: Yeah, there seem to have been higher quality parties this year. I think. Yes. I <laughs> <laughs> Carolina, what about you? How would you recommend people? Yes, come?
4: for sure. I always say that we don't have sense in impact. It is a continuous process. We need to continue learning, sharing. We will we won't have the final answer how to create impact. So for sure, these forums, in particular SOCAP, is very important because I think it's the is the most important forum of impact investing entrepreneurs here in the US. And it's how we can bring people from different parts of the world and being connected. So my commitment with SOCAP is how we can create a commission. We have some Latin Americans here, but next year, I'm committed to create a coalition of people coming here from Latin America, bringing their voices and connecting with others, and how we can also create collective actions um, towards impact.
1: And Morgan? Um,
3: I think SOCAP creates an incredible opportunity to be around such tremendous community and to know that, um, as Andy was saying, that people are incredibly open uh, to engaging, and also recognizing with so many people, it's a space where coming in with a strategy and with some preparation can really make a difference for your experience. Um, Because not all attendees are always uh, made public beforehand, but the speaker Mm -hmm. list always is at the very least, and there's a ton of speakers because it's so huge, um, that it's worth browsing through picking out 10 people you're excited to potentially connect with and emailing them beforehand um, and sharing a bit about what you do and kind of what you would hope is that first rotter cooler conversation um, so that if you have the opportunity to meet in person, you're able to really go deeper towards your objective, kind of knowing that um, time is so limited. Um, So would really encourage uh, coming but finding ways to connect with people really intentionally to get the most out of your time here.
1: Well, our time is up unfortunately, but it's been, amazing inspiring experience to talk to to, to the three of you um I'm, your work is amazing and i'm glad you've found uh your tribe here again at socap and, and you found uh, plenty of things to inspire you as you go back and carry on so i've been talking <laughs> and enjoying the conversation with carolina suarez visbal Andy chikava and morgan simon thank you all
0: thank you Matthew.
1: see you next year
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of Money & Meaning. If you were inspired by the conversation and are interested in getting more involved with the SOCAP community, join our newsletter to be the first to learn about upcoming events and opportunities. Sign up at SOCAPGlobal.com Be sure to subscribe to Money & Meaning wherever you get your podcasts to be notified of our next episode's release.